0: Hi, I'm Jack Berizini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's that's important for you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Thomas Sanjuro. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Jack. And Father Joseph Sund. Hey, Father. How are we doing? Doing well. We got a more, uh, more Facebook news, seems like, or sorry, <laughs> more meta news. <laughs> um, they're in the, uh, they, I feel like the past three episodes have been like primarily talking about Facebook or meta or some iteration of that. And it's to stay relevant somehow. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so uh, maybe
1: Zuckerberg's goal was met by changing his name that he got himself in the news.
0: Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Uh, So a quick tangent based on uh, the meta thing is I went to, uh, it was like our, our cities, like, like their like state of the city kind of thing. And the mayor was talking and we have a Facebook data center there and he kept like slipping up and calling it the Facebook data center. And then he kept having to go back and say, Oh, sorry, the meta data center. Um, so it was funny. I guess they're really pushing the rebranding. Oh
2: wait, that doesn't work. Metadata is something totally different. Yeah. (laughs) I deal with metadata every day and that's not the same thing. it's It's
0: a bad name. So, uh, what's going on now is that it looks like, um, Facebook has announced, sorry, I'm going to do that the whole time. <laughs> they have announced that they are going to be um they're going to be changing how their uh, targeted ads work and they're going to be basically uh they've carved out a lot of different categories where they're not going to allow ads to be targeted at people. Um it's going to be things like race, ethnicity, political affiliation, religion or sexual orientation. And um what they're what they're saying is that basically they are going to, they're doing this so they can quit. Like they don't want to like have people be like influenced by this, like, you know, very specific things uh, targeting them. And I know a lot of people seem to be seem to be worried about it, but honestly, I don't really see it as being that big of a deal because I already do everything I can to not have ads be targeted at me. So it's not something that's really going (laughs) to affect me, but I do understand that like, like for small businesses, like, um, like, a, I know my wife has shown me things on like Instagram where it's like different these different Catholic small businesses that you just find because they are seeing like the different kind of accounts you follow and then you see those ads. So there is benefit to that. But I do also I understand why they're making this move. What are your all thoughts on it?
2: Yeah, it's a um, it's a pretty niche market, which I say that. With the caveat that SQPN actually falls into that completely niche market, right? Right. <laughs> uh, and so it's it's the, uh, you know, you want your Catholic stuff to get out to Catholics. Mm-hmm. But with Facebook, when you say I'm targeting Catholics, it's everybody everywhere, which is terrible for like a Catholic school or a Catholic church. You, right. you don't want your parish to end up being Targeting every Catholic in the on Facebook, right? That's not right. that's not the way you want it to work. So it is the niche communities, like like you're talking about, like the 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 small businesses that are you know doing really cool stuff, like making uh, Saint medallions or uh, you know goofy little uh, uh, magnets that are Catholic Saint magnets right. or something like that that you wouldn't hear about otherwise. That might fit this uh, kind of narrow. vision of well i don't really know who to target so i'm going to target catholics as a whole right right and so you know don't worry about your parish your parish is not going to your your parish needs to be targeting age ranges and localities anyway they don't need to be targeting catholics because actually they're narrowing their scope if they're only targeting catholics instead of just uh the locality and the age range near them right but for groups like SQPN, uh, you know, we have we're going to have to start thinking more creatively about the way that we're connecting with uh, with our audiences. And now that being said, I think that word of mouth is always going to trump this kind of advertising anyway. So, yeah. you know, that, that's why we always invite people, please like subscribe, uh, you know, comment on our on our podcasts because that's how we get out. And, and that's the way that we're going to spread the word about what we're doing more so mm-hmm. than, you know, targeting the Catholic ads, megalith
1: yeah.
2: on on meta.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's again, with most things, I think it's there's good aspects to it and bad aspects to it, because I think we've seen that despite Facebook's best or worst efforts, the way ads get manipulated really ends up you end up not really getting a lot of value out of them anyway. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah. No, they're really, they're a, hey, I think this is actually going to bring a lot more value to the ads because, uh, you know, and I'll, and I'll be honest too. I'm, I am, uh, you know, having moved away from working for the church or for a Catholic school. It is interesting to me how much LinkedIn still thinks that that's really, really relevant to my career path. Right. <laughs> so right. I get a lot of, uh, you know, Hey, this person works for a Catholic school. You might know them. And I'm like, No, and that's not really relevant to what i need to be building (laughs) in my network here so it's going to take a couple of years for me to kind of reteach linkedin hey these are the kind of things that i'm interested in and that i need to to use to advance my career uh so you know and it's it's kind of it's kind of funny that that's the way these algorithms work they get stuck in uh in the past really because essentially that's yeah. what they have right that's the information they have to work off of so they get stuck in the past or they get stuck in habits and they don't process you know changes that people go through
0: right i actually had that with um youtube music where i used it probably like ten, ten, fifteen 10 15 years ago i would use youtube for music and then i didn't use it for music for a long time and then i've gone back to using it Um, but it still thinks i want to listen to all the terrible music i listened to 15 (laughs) years ago it's like i don't want to listen to pod anymore like but it has not picked up that like my tastes have changed even though i'm listening to different things now it still like recommends me like stuff from like 15 years ago right yeah
1: we we used to play a um very dangerous game when we went on bus rides with youth groups i would make sure to um, put certain filters on Pandora, but Pandora's algorithm was the worst at this, <laughs> right? That, you know, I've had my Pandora account since 2007 or 2006 or whatever. <laughs> and so it, um, it never forgets.
2: And so <laughs> it's always put it on
1: shuffle, it's, it's quite humorous, but
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's, uh,
2: when Kate comes in, right. and you know, that's <laughs> nice. It's good music, but no, not so great for a, for a for Catholic retreat.
0: <laughs> and I think this just goes to everyone's fears about like our lack of privacy and how our data is being harvested and being used. And I think there's a much bigger awareness now, like of h- how how creepy it is that Facebook just like harvests us, harvests our data and sells it wholesale like this and that Mm -hmm. was something we talked about i think it was last week um with their announcement of meta and their whole metaverse thing it's like i feel like mark zuckerberg watched black mirror and said hey that's a good idea let's do that like they try to spin it as a very positive thing and um, pat and i did actually talk about a lot of potential positives for that kind of technology and that idea but i just don't think most people trust facebook to to be good stewards of that. And so I guess it's good. They're not going to be using our data as much, but they still have it and they're still going to be using it just in different, maybe more surreptitious ways.
1: Well, the question that I have is they're not allowing advertisers to use that data. Are they still using that data themselves um, to use their algorithm to keep me on the applications, Mm. to keep me on Instagram, Mm -hmm. to keep me on Facebook I'm hard to believe that they're not going to still be using the data of my interest to be pushing posts that are relevant to me, right? right. To see that I'm Catholic and that if you post these um, hot topic Catholic posts to the top, I might be a little more intrigued to stay on. And they're not letting me use them as an advertiser, but they're still using them as their as themselves unless I'm wrong,
0: Right. And it's been shown like that their algorithms are tuned to keep you more engaged by showing you the stuff you want, but also show you more negative things because Mm -hmm. people like to get outraged much more than they like to see positive things. And so I think there was a story a couple of weeks ago about how uh, posts with negative reactions will get boosted by the algorithm. And so they're kind of trying to keep you in that cycle of negativity. And I don't I mean, we won't be seeing ads as much anymore, but again, I think for a lot of people either you have your ad blocker turned on and that stuff is being hidden anyways, or you just kind of mentally block them out. Like if I see an ad online, I just automatically like right. just ignore it. Like <laughs> it could be for something I actually want to buy, but I won't click on the ad. I'll go look it up and then go to the website.
2: <laughs> Which is a good habit to be in on the internet anyway. Don't click on links. <laughs> Always <Yeah. laughs> go find the thing yourself. Yeah, <laughs>
1: And it, and if you're lazy, um, you can add on Some plugins for Firefox or Chrome that can remove that metadata, Mm -hmm. pun intended, from (laughs) the end of the link. um, And so that it's not passing on that Mm -hmm. um, information to the website to track you. Um, So there are ways out of it, but the most fool safe way would probably be to. um, To open a new tab and
2: private browsing and then go find the thing you want. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So but I'm it, it, but it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to remain um truly anonymous online. And that's that's yeah. the thing that I I think we've gotten to a point where we are comfortable that some level of who we are is going to be exposed online. And what we need to do is to make sure that we're not giving away more information than we need to. And then also to be careful that people are not using our interests to lead us into dark places, because th- the thing that keeps people engaged this has been shown time and time again. The thing that pe- keeps people engaged on Facebook is like you were saying, Jack, that the incendiary stuff that mm-hmm. makes you, that just riles you up and makes you want to comment. And if you think about it, it works this way. Somebody posts nice fluffy pictures of a cute puppy you like it. You move on with your life. You don't comment on it. If you comment on right. it, you say, oh, cute puppy. Done. Right. Somebody posts something that really makes you angry. You comment on it. And then someone mm-hmm. comments back and disagrees with you. And then you comment back again. And then they comment back again. And you get in this cycle where you have to be right. Now you have to win. Which post has more engagement? Right. Obviously, the one that's gotten the fight. Right. Right and and the algorithm doesn't care the algorithm doesn't look between those two things and say oh this was a positive engagement and this was a negative engagement the algorithm Mm -hmm. goes this one had 300 comments and this one had two yeah Uh, this is the one that's got got the more engagement
0: right i think it's just uh it's it's human nature like like seeing a car wreck you can't look away and you're going to be you know drawn in more by negativity honey someone's yeah, like wrong were, on the internet yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> like like you were saying Thomas um I think it's important for uh places like s q p n and those small small businesses to be fostering like meaningful interaction and meaningful uh like we, you don't want it just to be like, here, I'm going to blast out like a million ads and we'll get some return on them, but you want people to actually be invested in what they're seeing. And usually mm-hmm. the best way to do that is like you said, by like word of mouth or, um, like a Patreon, uh, which, you know, we mm-hmm. use, uh, getting people actively, uh, involved. Definitely. So, yeah,
1: that, that's a good, that's a good time for a plug. Today.
0: Yeah. I was about to say, uh, did y'all have any other, uh, any other, anything else to say about, uh, this story? My my tech recommendation for this
2: week is one that I think is a good Facebook alternative, sort of. So
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. On that note, um, speaking of Patreon and uh, fostering meaningful engagement with our listeners, uh, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Secrets of Technology and all the other stos- shows at StarQuest, including Harry R., Lila L., Marie, and Daniel M., Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, we got some some interesting headlines here. The first one is uh, something that... uh it's, it's, a, it's a positive story about something that I feel very negative about, which is TikTok. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a, a missing uh, North Carolina girl was found after using a hand sign that she learned on TikTok that is basically means like, I need help. I'm in a domestic violence situation. And so uh, someone saw her doing this hand sign out of a window. First, I thought it was going to be they saw it her on TikTok doing the hand sign, but I guess it's something that people have been spreading awareness for um on there. And so someone saw her doing that and she learned that on TikTok and was able to to get the help she needed. And this is I guess it's good to see this kind of this story because it's a it's a positive from TikTok, which I just kind of, to be honest, have a very negative view of. Because um, you're it's an old man kind of you're an old man, yes. Jack. <laughs> So there's, I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's a subreddit called uh, like TikTok cringe. Yeah. <laughs> and I just feel like everything I've ever seen on on TikTok would go would go in that category. But this is good. And I guess this is how, how the kids are communicating nowadays. So if they're learning.
1: Our kids in the school regularly hear me say this on both yeah. TikTok and um, Snapchat that They'll say something about it. Father, did you see this TikTok? And I say, TikTok's creepy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, when I saw this story, I thought maybe um, maybe it was good for, you know, after giving my grumpy old man homily on um, the evils of TikTok, maybe there there can be some good about it. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Well, and I, I think I think ideally what you're talking about here is the crowdsourcing of information, right? And that's right. when social media is done correctly, when when it has a positive spin, right? When it's not just about massive amounts of engagement and stuff like that. It's about the spread of information and the capability of crowdsourcing that spread. And so this is it's a great right. example. It's a perfect example of what of the power uh, the, uh, that social media has to do good in the world now Mm. the challenge here is that this is one story against you know the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ills that come out of you know of the way social media gets used a lot of times to be fair it mattered a lot to this one person and I, i would i would challenge the fact that this is the only time this thing has been helpful or useful and now that information has spread even more to be able to be you know even more widely used which is great and so it's tough because on the one hand you want you know you're like this is the beauty of social media and but the fact that it's made such a news splash is kind of like oh yeah (laughs) but that's the problem is that it's so rare
0: (laughs) right yeah and that's that that is the difficult part 'cause i I still feel like overall the negative interactions kind of outweigh the positive ones, but I think we can kinda what we can take from this is that a lot of it is the people using the platform and what people put out on the platform so even though the platforms themselves are designed in such a way to keep engagement, it really is like you have to foster that positivity yourself mm-hmm. a lot of the times, very much so, yeah, but it was it's cool, and it's a it's good for me to see because I'm I'm definitely a grumpy old man about things like TikTok or uh, Snapchat or or Squid Game, whatever that is.
1: Get off my lawn! Exactly, I'm the, the
0: angry old man. Um, so this is a, a fun uh, story. So these parents um, in Sweden, I think it's Sweden. Make sure I'm not saying the wrong country. Uh, yeah, Sweden. They got so fed up with their terrible, terrible school app, like the app that they would use to like see their kids' classes and schedules and all that, that they went and they wrote their own app. And it turned into this giant back and forth between the uh, the parents. It was one guy who's a CEO of an investing company who um, decided to build this app when he couldn't figure out like what his kids needed for gym and stuff like that. And so the way the app works is it... Basically they went in and they kind of reverse engineered the terrible app and then wrote an app that becomes a layer on top of the school app. And then it just pulls all the data from the school app. And this became a big back and forth between the city of Stockholm and this group of parents, and it kept growing and growing as an open source project. And basically they Stockholm ended up or like the school board and the city ended up calling the cops and getting like, like cyber crime division involved because they said they were harvesting people's data and pulling all this data and putting it out on the internet. But it was just data that was already publicly available and all they were doing was writing like a way to access it through the app that was terrible with an app that was better. And eventually, so there's a happy ending story. Eventually, after they went through all that and the cops were called, the city relented and the, the police report said that it was a like it's an okay use of the data because it's already out there and it is behind a secure paywall. But the funny thing is the way that this is like, I feel like all the different like hoops that were jumped through, they could have just bought the much better app and like saved all this time (laughs) and then fixed the problem there.
2: (laughs) They spent way more money investigating it for sure.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But it was a, it's another one of those stories. It's like, you know, people coming together and fixing a problem when the giant bureaucracy can't. I thought that was fun. uh, What were your thoughts on it?
1: Well, for me, me, this kind of got into um, the crux of the debate of um, is open source good, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And the fact that this government-created app probably had a handful of bureaucrats' eyes on it, Right. Mm -hmm. And right. weren't taking care of bugs, and then you have an open source community building an app, um, and it becomes more secure. It becomes right. a better user experience. Um, it becomes a greater experience because of the community that surrounds and builds it. Um, right, and I, um. To make this extremely philosophical on it, this ties hand in hand with what education's supposed to be. Right? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. education isn't supposed to be the work of a few bureaucrats or a few highly trained people with master's degrees and doctorates, right? It's the work of the parents right. together. Right. Um, and when you have those parents working together, the bugs in education and all of that work itself out um to build and to foster a better community Mm -hmm. um, and to build our kids into better citizens and better people all around and so you know I think you can tie those philosophies closely together when you have this whole educational system Um, I also know that uh, I feel his pain Um, (laughs) we have day in and day out I have to troubleshoot um our educational system. I won't throw the um suite that we use under the bus on this. Um, but because of the regulations of state education departments, you can't build your own stuff. Mm-hmm. You're stuck with these companies that the state has chosen to give their API to right, their back end for reporting, and you're stuck with that. Right. Um, And so you get these apps that might have looked great back when I was in college, which was 2005, Mm -hmm. right? They would have been fantastic apps, but now they're just outdated and they're clunky and they don't get the job done
0: that's like every single uh like i work in the the government like the defense industry and everything is like that on the government side or even if you look at like um like you compare nasa to spacex like when you actually have like outside pressure pushing you to do better and you can't just like limp along because you're the only option then things actually do get better and i really like the democratization of of this kind of system where because it's got a bunch of people working on it who actually care about it it the bugs get worked out and that leads to the system getting better and better overall. And it was just a, it was cool to see that. I feel like uh, GK Chesterton would be a big fan of the story.
1: Are are we saying that GK Chesterton would have been a um, a friend uh, of free and open source?
0: I've always wanted to make a distributist version of uh, like a Linux OS called Distribute OS.
2: <laughs> I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I, I think yeah. it's it's fun to try and like think about what some of those uh, the the philosophers would have thought about this, and I think that's a lot of the way that we need to look at open source is as a, as a philosophical movement. And um, right, I, it's I, I learned a new phrase uh, this week. It's called um, the right click the right click right click ism so it's the idea that you know like with all these nfts and things that are coming out right now uh somebody can buy a piece of art right and Mm -hmm. they own that piece of art digitally and they can display that piece of art digitally and all you have to do to own it is right click it and save it to your to your folder right and and the obviously that's that's not what they're buying they're not buying the art they don't care about the creator they don't care about the art they care about saying the the clout of saying i own this thing and the the beauty of the digital landscape is that that's not the case you it's it's free Mm -hmm. for everyone you can everybody can be just as involved and just as much a creator uh and just as much an owner of these these digital things as they're going out and um so that's I, I think that you know the the philosophy of open source is that same concept where it's like you know it, this is something that everybody and the more people that we have uh involved the more uh the stuff gets better the the more interesting it is like you were you know like you were saying father the when you have two or three bureaucrats working on one of these programs, it never gets better. It just Mm -hmm. kind of languishes, just stays status quo. How much can we keep the status quo? Whereas when you get everyone involved, it's suddenly now, how can we innovate who, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in UI and I get involved and I create a new user interface for it, or, you know, I'm interested in the security aspect of it and I get involved and I create a new security suite to, to develop for this particular project. And so that's, you know, and, and this is about kids too, which is great because a lot of times it's hard to get people interested in open source projects because there's no monetary reward, right? There's nothing mm-hmm. that's coming back for it. But if it's about my kids and my school and I have to deal with this stupid app every single day, <laughs> you know, I'm, I want it to be better and I'm going to get involved right. and I'm going to make it better.
1: Well, what got backtracking a little bit? I know we're um, using some terms that... um Maybe some of our listenership might not know, so I was um, wondering maybe we can throw it back to Jack on this if we want a um a if you were to define open source to a six year old what would you do for the definition of open source software just to give a
0: yeah, I guess the best way to define it is just it's software that anybody can work on and anybody can use for really basically pretty much whatever you want to and you can take that and adapt it and make it your make it your own but also when you're making it your own you're not you're not taking it and closing it off so it's just yours you're working on it you're improving it and then someone can come along and do the same thing with whatever you've done it kind of it's a little bit like um and this is I kind of got on this thought because I was thinking about how you look at um the way copyright law has like basically destroyed like distributed art like in our culture mm-hmm. like mickey mouse is going to be owned by disney for the next 10,000 years and, but characters like if you look at things that were pre-copyright, like the Greek myths and like the odyssey or like Sherlock Holmes, things like that, those are in the public (laughs) domain. So people have taken those over the years and they've adapted them and they've improved upon them and they can use them like in their own works. But you can't do that with anything like a Marvel character or star Wars or something like that, because it's owned by this big company. And I feel like open source is kind of that same kind of thing. Or like with folk music where, you know, people take tunes and they, you know, improve upon them or they add variations and different things like that. You don't see that in art or music very much anymore, but I feel like you see that that's kind of what the, the the same philosophy of the open source community. It's like everyone can put their own, their own spin on things. And because you get a much more diverse pool of people working on things, it ends up making it better. And people go down different routes that they wouldn't have. If it's just one company making this thing and you have a very like one sided view of stuff.
1: So the the, to give a practical example, right? Before the, we, during the pre-show, I was talking with Jack, trying to figure out if there was a software mute button on Audacity. <laughs> um, so the open source mentality of this would be that um, myself, if I ever had a spare moment of time, I could sit down and I could program into Audacity that button. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that button, then I could um, get my software cough button. Um,
0: <laughs> finally.
1: <laughs> finally. And what I would do after I did that, instead of turning around and hogging this for myself. Right. Or trying to monetize it. I would turn around and I would share it. And you've probably heard. um websites such as GitHub, mm-hmm. right, I would turn around and I would push my update to GitHub. And so people could see, especially the main producers of Audacity, could see this feature that I've made and the world could enjoy that right? Um, mm-hmm. instead of just this one person enjoying it.
2: And, and I think it's important there to remind people, too, that with the open source community, it's being reviewed, So when you push your update, it um, that update goes out to people who are invested in this uh, program, who who like it, who have developed things for themselves for it and who are part of a basically a commission that's Mm -hmm. uh, put together to be in charge of it. And they review the the thing that you've done and they check it for any kind of security issues that it might have. They uh, clean up the code. If there's any issues with the code, they Mm -hmm. get somebody involved that will. Uh, write documentation for it. So how does this mute button work? Where is it supposed to fit in everything that's happening? And
1: And they would, and it would be very likely that they would see that my code was completely messy (laughs) and, and looked like a high schooler wrote it and they would, if it was good, they make sure that it was written better and not messing up exactly the integrity of the entire program. Um, In comparison, right, if I have a piece of software that's made by a government agency of a company that they hired on a majority contract that has 10 employees, instead of this vast array of people in different walks of life looking at it and working on it, you just have ten people who are tunnel visioned, mm-hmm. right, and who they've gotten the money for their product. They have no interest in fixing it.
2: Or, or, or to put it another way, it could, to, just to be really charitable with it too, because I think that you know, it's we can get caught up in the well, it's this conglomeration kind of thing. But mm-hmm. you want a mute button? You're one person, and they have thousands of customers, and. Right. You know, those one person saying I would like this software mute button uh, doesn't that's not important to them. It doesn't direct them because it's not a problem. It's a it's an added feature. It doesn't look like most of the community wants it. But the the thing with open source is you make that mute button. You add it into the, the things that are coming up for releases. And suddenly thousands of people that didn't realize they wanted that. Now do. And they go, yeah, that's a great idea. That would have been mm-hmm. really great. I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a, an excellent feature that should be added. And now suddenly that thing gets added because it is important and they realize that it's important to the community. But, you know, w- with, the, with the way that a closed software works, it has to be a massive feature request that most of the customer base wants before they're going to work on it.
0: Right. And I think... One another thing I really like about the just the open source philosophy is that it fosters intentionality with mm-hmm. the so, the technology you're using because you're more invested in it and you're you're going to be more intentional with how you're using it rather than just you know you grab your phone you grab your your computer whatever and you're just you're consuming you're now you feel like it's like it's like by like working on a car is fun you feel more invested in what you're doing
1: yeah and that's um for myself that's my story of how i right became invested in technology for mm-hmm. life yeah right was my freshman year of college as a lifelong visual studio programmer right i was introduced to these open source programs by my professor and realize that I could have an impact in a larger community um, and could change things that I could never do using a Microsoft product or right. um, Right. And And I'd like to point
2: out there too, that if you are a person who's like, I have no technical skill, I cannot write code. They still need uh, documentation writers, which is basically you go in and you just look at the documentation and A lot of these guys are very technical. And so they'll write this documentation that does not read well. And so as an Mm -hmm. end user, you get this documentation, you're like, what? And so you, even if you can't write code, can go in and contribute to open source projects if you are interested in doing that by getting involved in the documentation
1: team. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, that documentation, if you remember SNL um, with Nick, you're company's computer guy, right? (laughs) Um, that that's the guy who's writing that documentation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and he might not know how to communicate it to an average person. Um, and so to have an average person sit down and clean it up and to make it better for the average user, um, really helps.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, it's also exciting to see the open source world come into come into like just out of like the realm of ephemeral software to hardware with things like a uh, raspberry pi and like all the 3d printing stuff you can do now where now you can like you can democratize like physical objects and have it be worked on by a bunch of different people same kind of thing um one i really like and it's something that like like for niche hobbies it's really good too same thing with the different kind of open source software but uh someone made a raspberry pi based uh electronic bagpipe and that's something that it's a pretty niche hobby so that's not something (laughs) that you're ever going to get from like fender or Korg or one of these big music and musical instrument companies but there's enough people online who want something like that that you know people got together and there's 3d printing uh 3d printing files for it there's a software for it and it's a it's a fun open source project
1: yeah back in march of 2020 um that open source thing positively affected our community as a um priest that had nothing to do um as all of our churches got shut down right um
2: yes yeah, suddenly i took n- nothing to, nothing to do right
1: <laughs> suddenly i decided i took a um I went on to Vinkverse and I got the um, print schematics for N95 substitute masks
0: oh, nice. and
1: printed over a hundred of them for our local hospital um, and just was just had that our 3 d printer in the school running all day um, and got those made for them so that when they until they got more masks in during that shortage that as a small town my um nurses and doctors weren't being put at risk. Um nice that's awesome. So so me and the um local dentist were both um printing those up like wildfire on our three D printers and um that would have not been possible without a community around that built.
0: That is awesome. Yeah and that's like that's one of those uh like, I think like that's what we need to point to when we talk about technology and open source and those kinds of those stories and those ideas, because like just being for myself, I can tend to be a little bit apocalyptic about our future with our AI overlords and all that. But I am ex- I stuff like that, just like just awesome. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, I feel like uh, I know our, our main topic today was a story about Facebook, but I feel like we, we <laughs> went way more in depth on the open source thing. It Should probably hey. be an open source themed episode. <laughs> It's good. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely, it was a good. It's a
2: twofer. You got two head, two uh, two main stories this week.
1: Exactly. Hopefully, we don't get in trouble for um for making Team Linux assemble again. There.
0: <laughs> Go no, Team Linux. I think it's good. I like this. Uh, <laughs> I like this group. I think
1: we did make it through a um, entire episode about the new Mac. <laughs> with, without throwing back on the say, bus We, we had drink. to
2: have bought ourselves some goodwill when we did that, Father. That was <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. I'm sad I missed that. <laughs> awesome. I think it's a, a good time to jump into our uh, picks of the week. Uh, did you want to go first, Father?
1: Let's see. Um my um pick of the week, I I had a really good like phase into it and I messed messed it up. Um, I was going to say, can I get an amen? Um, (laughs) um, My pick of the week is an app called Amen, which is a Catholic meditation app um, put out by the Augustine Institute, and it's a completely free app that they're doing. Um, And so it gives you your daily readings kind of in a meditative um, way. It gives you um, examination, um, daily examine, sorry. Um, And it just gives you a lot of those little things to help you slow down and relax in your day, Um, which I think more and more we need, especially if we've um, spent our days, letting our minds be controlled by Meta's algorithms or things like that. We need to do something that helps us calm down. And so um, they have this app both available for the Google play and the Apple app store um, and um, just a little bit. I've used it over the last week. I've really, um, really enjoyed it. It's very similar to if you've used the, the halo app, mm-hmm. um, that's been out for a while now. It's, it's very similar to that. Um, nice. and so I thought that'd be a good, good pick for the week.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'll uh, check that out because I like to use the Headspace app um, just like for like their, you know, calming meditation and stuff like that. But it's it's nice to have something that is specifically uh, Catholic themed with that. Awesome. Uh, Thomas, do you want to tell us your pick of the week?
2: So my pick of the week is a meta alternative. Uh, and I, I say that loosely because there really is not anything that's going to be exactly the same as meta. And I, I think the power of uh, Facebook and is that it kind of gets you in that. Well, my family's on there and I get to keep up with everything mm-hmm. that's going on with them. So um, I like this one. This is th- this app is called Discord. And you've, you've probably heard of it in the terms of like gamers and uh, gaming communities, because that's where a lot of it lies at the moment. Um, I really love Discord because it is kind of like a walled. Facebook, where you join servers that are specific interest servers, and a lot of times uh, the the people that are running the servers will share them on their website, and they'll say, "Hey, uh, link up with us on Discord," and you go and you join that server, and as you click through, you can change your username on those servers. You can uh, kind of readjust, you know, what you're representing yourself as in that given community, which is sort of what we do in an actual social setting <laughs> when you go yeah. between different groups you know you're like oh yeah this is my i'm wearing, wearing my business suit to my business and i'm wearing my casual wear to the beach and i'm presenting a different side of myself to these different parts of my life that i'm involved in and that's more what discord feels like where uh you're not uh There's not ads blasting everywhere for different things. You're not, you don't have this constant stream of information. And even on the different servers that you're involved in, there can be different channels that you can link into. And a lot of them have kind of added on, uh, some social channels. So, you know, like everybody wants to get on and share pictures of their pets. So they'll have a specific channel that's for sharing pictures of your pets. Uh, and just to give you a story of like why I think this this kind of thing is really cool. I am a gamer and I play a lot of indie games. And there was one that I got recently uh, called Odd Realm. And I joined the Discord just because I really liked the game. I thought it was really awesome that it was a, a single developer working on the game. And I have become like one of the core beta testers for that game. Like I am, uh, whenever a new beta, te- beta uh, version is released, I get on, I play, I tr- find the bugs, I share them with the developer and we have a great community. That's just kind of a conversation back and forth about the game, about his ideas for the game, about how he wants, he sees us playing it. And uh, so, that's a gaming example but a lot of people have kind of turned to it for just social meetings uh so you can there there is like a a video and a chat live versions on there for for the different servers um so it is a really great resource for that social interaction that Mm -hmm. you are looking for without being quite so uh prone to the algorithm problem that you run into
0: right yeah. speaking of gaming, it's not just for like online gaming or computer gaming. Uh, my wife uses it uh, to play D&D with her friends. So you yes. can do like, <laughs> real world things. Yeah.
1: It reminds me, um, I have it both. Um, I use Discord. Um, there's a um, there's a Discord group for Catholic Twitter, which is kind of interesting. Right. So um for Catholic Twitter to kind of be in their own little, um, circle there. Um, and then inside that there's different subgroups. So there's, um, like a subgroup for, um, Twitter priest only, right. Um, that allow, and it allows for this community, right. To build of kind of a national and even, um, multinational, um, community in different Um, that normally I don't think would happen the same way in Mm -hmm. Facebook, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Facebook groups, while great, um, relies on Facebook's algorithm still Mm -hmm. to see what I'm seeing for me to see things. Um, it reminds me a lot of when I was, um, real little, like 11, 12, 13, um, I got involved with these, um, you remember the old bulletin boards Mm -hmm. on the internet, your message, your message boards that were probably about a hundred lines of code to run most of these. Um, And we had a group that it was a um, Microsoft Q basic, Microsoft quick basic um, based around programming on that. And there was just seven or eight guys on it. Um, and it was a very wholesome um wholesome group it was a um i think most of the guys were probably late teens or early 20s that i was um hanging out with there as a kid and fortunately um nowadays that seems a little scary but fortunately these were um good christian men who were um wanting to help each other and teach in that mm-hmm. and so it was a um, good community, and so it, um, Discord kind of reminds me a little bit of that. So I like that. Nice that pick with that.
0: That is awesome. Yeah, it's a definitely a good pick. I need to see if there's like a bagpiping group on there, but there is. Hey, <laughs> right, uh, my pick of the week. Um, it's not open source at all, but it's the uh, the Google uh, <laughs> Google Pixel Buds A series. I got them recently. Uh, they came like at a discount with uh, my Pixel phone that I got. Um, and they're normally a hundred dollars and they're the true wireless earbuds, like they don't have cables or anything and they're just good, solid earbuds. Uh, I used to have, uh, some AirPods back when I was in the Apple ecosystem. And while those are great, if you have an iPhone without that, like built in, um, like the way they seamlessly integrate with Apple products, they're just not fantastic. Um, and then, I mean, this is kind of the same thing where it's an Android based, uh, earbuds but they they integrate seamlessly with android and they sound pretty good they have like touch controls where you can change the uh the volume and do like the assistant and things like that um but yeah they're they're normally uh normally a hundred dollars but with black friday around the corner i'm sure we're going to see some sales on them um yeah there's good headphones awesome uh let's see i found you a bagpiper's Discord. nice nice i just saw that i have to, have to check
1: see, that out. See it out it does exist it does exist that's so. awesome um, i found it on the
2: bagpipers you, reddit so just <laughs> that's where you know where i troll the internet
1: nice you know the um with your earbud pick maybe we can loop it back and bring facebook back into our main topic here um of i'm trying to remember who i heard this quote from but they were analyzing that um Facebook has read it completely wrong that the reality and the um, building that people want, isn't the sense of visual. It's a sense of hearing Hmm. and that to greater build um, a digital reality, right? Mm -hmm. That audio is what needs to be made better um not the video um that we've already come long ways with video right That wearing a vr headset's not too much different than having a large curved monitor in front of your face Mm -hmm. um and that
2: and a lot more uncomfortable (laughs) yeah
1: yeah and most people don't want to put eight pounds worth of hardware on their head um and so to be able to build the audio quality of earbuds, which still are not the greatest, Mm-mm. right. Is what people more want. Um, and so I wish I remembered who I heard say that cause I'm completely stealing from someone, but interesting. Uh,
0: yeah, that is, that is interesting. I feel like, yeah, you definitely, especially with your sense of like depth, um, Like if you listen with like really, really good, like over the ear headphones, like it makes a huge difference when you can like feel like you're in the room with the instruments versus with earbuds, which is even when they're good earbuds, it's still more closed in sound just by its very nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a interesting thought. Awesome. Uh, and that's it from us. Uh, what did you think of our discussion? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or on the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send us an email at te- to technology at sqpn.com. You can find links from our discussion and picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. You can help us grow the secrets of tech by writing a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or one of the other podcast directories. And you can share the podcast with your friends to help us grow our community and to reach more listeners. Until next time, Thomas Sanjuro, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology. It was great to be here. And Father Joseph Sun, thank you too. You're welcome. Till next time. (laughs) And once again, I'm Jack Berazzini. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest.